How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Yeah. Nice, Mark. It was great. That was great. Thank you. Thank, you. thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, Tom, can you introduce our guests who have been so patiently waiting? Absolutely, Dr. Joe. Tonight, we have the honor of hosting Carol Gould and Michael Leslie of Connect to Recovery at Riverside. It's Riverside's supportive approach to helping individuals achieve not only recovery from substance addiction, but overall wellness in terms of a healthy quality of life. And they have an exciting event next week. Yeah. Hosted by, uh, who's this, Dr. Schrand, the recovery celebration next Wednesday, September 30th at 12 to 1 p.m. Sponsored by Connect to Recovery, a program of Riverside Community Care. Yeah, it's going to be great. And folks, we're going to be talking a bit about that. So Carol and Michael, welcome. Thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you having us. Yeah. So, Thank you having us. Michael, let me start with you. You, you, What's your role, actually, in Connect to Recovery? Tell me what, what your title is, what your role is. And, Carol, I'm going to be ask, asking you the same question. So I am the Outreach and Development Coordinator um, with Connect Recovery. But at, at the moment, I also do um, some, some recovery coaching for, for the program. Great. And Carol, how about you? What's your role there? I'm recovery coach at Riverside Community Care Connected Recovery. And what we do is we take people where they are and we ask them what recovery looks like for them. And we treat it with an individual in mind. So they lead their recovery. We don't you dictate to them what they do, you know, do this, that, and the other thing. Yes, I mean, and that is such a powerful way because it's so respectful. You know, it's so respectful. So what does a recovery coach do, Carol? What do you do? Well, basically, basically, I'm, I'm have long-term recovery over, over two decades. So I, through my experience, um, I'm able to talk to people who are also addicted to substances. Um, so I tell them in different ways how to you know, get to their goals. You know, obviously their goals are to, to stop using opiates or other uh, or alcohol or cocaine, methamphetamine whatever the substances are coming out now, a lot of different ones, fentanyl. And what, you know, they come to us and they say, you know, I want to stop this, how do I do it? And so we work together on where they are now and how we're going to get them there. So basically, I felt the feelings of the addict, you know, um, an alcoholic when I, uh, got sober and bottoms so they relate to me insofar as 
the loneliness, the alcoholic and addict at three in the morning when all the gone and that's the leaping off place as they call it. Uh, and I got into um, this field because of the opiate crisis. I had already been sober many years, but then I saw Massachusetts being devoured by this crisis. And that's why I initially went to Riverside to, uh, to work there because I had seen, I had been, I know, taken in, if you will, by a lovely lady named Kimberly Fisher. And she told me about the program and all they were going to be doing for addicts and alcoholics and how they treated them so differently than I had seen over the past two decades. The respect, um, the, the lack of stigma involved with them. And I just, I was just delighted because I could have worked anywhere, really. Mm -hmm. Rose Riverside uh, because of that. Uh, yeah, I, I am truly thrilled and honored that you're here. And, and it oh, is, I think people have to understand what it really means to have been in recovery for two decades. I mean, this is an enormous, enormous thing. And, you know, one of the one of the things that's interesting is the word recovery versus recovered um i don't know do you think anybody actually is recovered or, or always in recovery i um i sometimes will say recovered mm -hmm. um basically once you're a pickle you can't become a cucumber as they say you know the old timers used to say <laughs> um Keep that so one time. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's what they, they, you know, you can't go back again. I don't know where I crossed the line because um, I had a great time just drinking like like my friends in high school, Marshfield High School. Um, and then suddenly it turned on me. Uh, I had, I grew up in Marshfield and graduated. So all the kids, yeah, I know the whole area. Actually, they crushed down that high school and they built a new one. So built a new one. That's right. It's a beautiful <laughs> high school. That's right. Um, but it's recovered from loneliness, you know, you could say, and heartache. And whatever they want to use, people want to use, is for me splitting hairs compared to how do we do this? You know, let's not, you know, let's not dilly dally with the language. Let's let's move on and say, how how are we going to not die a nasty alcoholic or drug addicted death? You know, yeah. usually, I deal with that. Let's let's make that expedient and make that the primary purpose of what we're doing. You know. Yeah, keeping Does that people. Make sense? I, I just want to bump it over to Michael. So Michael, you're you're also a major player over there at Riverside, helping to build this brand new program. How how did you? Uh, come to us. I'm just so glad that you're there. So when I found out that, um, and, and you know, I previously known of Riverside Community Care and, and how many people they helped when it came to behavioral health and, and how big of a, an organization they were. So when I found out that they were going to now be working with this population and helping those suffering from substance use disorder, I, it, you know, I, I jumped to the opportunity. Um, and then, you know, when I went in and found out about the services that they were going to be offering that we now offer, 
uh, and, and knew that I would be able to help in the development of, of a new program like this. It, it, it was really intriguing to me, and I'm certainly glad I, I chose to become part of it. Yeah. And how, how much of your story would you like to share? Because you've also been going through this. Yes. Um, I, like Carol, am in, am in long-term recovery. I don't have two decades, a few decades yet, but... Um, well, it's because you're only 25, Michael. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> don't push um, it <laughs> so, but yes, you know, I, I've, I've struggled with, with all substances in my life and, and, you know, I started at a young age and it's where I grew up. It was just kind of the thing to do with 12, 13, you know, drinking and, and smoking pot and it's just, everyone did it. And in high, about high school, it, it escalated to some party drugs and, you know, it, it was like Carol, it was, it was fun for a little bit. Um, but, and looking back, you know, I, I realize now that things that were on, you know, I was suffering from anxiety and depression and, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, which is something I've been diagnosed with. And for me, it, it took those things away. You know, while my friends were doing it, I didn't have fun. That was kind of a, a solution for me to, to feel better. Um. Uh, and my disease progressed when, you know, I went, went away to college, started partying a lot more, um, and then was somehow able to graduate college. But then when I came back to Boston, it was when the cotton had basically just hit Boston, had recently hit Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I got caught up in Oxycontin, and one thing led to another, and I became eventually an IV heroin user um and you know things got things got bad you know i i there was a time where i had nowhere to go where i was homeless i had lost everything um and you know something i don't share too often but the the last time i used there was a night where i stopped by my parents house and uh, i used in their house in my old room upstairs and I overdosed, and my parents found me um, basically dead and was taken into the hospital, mm-hmm. brought home, um, begged my parents to stay there for the night, used again, and overdosed again. Um, so it was twice within about four hours where my parents basically found me dead in their house. Um, you know, I got brought back to the hospital, ended up being in the ER, uh, in the hospital for seven days, and you know it, it was there where I had a lot of time to think, and I was looking at the damage I was causing myself and the pain I was causing my family and, and my friends, and you know knew that I could not continue to live like that. Um, so so yeah, you know I've I've been been through a lot with this disease, and it's been a struggle, but. Um, you know, to, to be able to give back to those. And, and that's why another reason why I do this, to be able to give back to those. You know, I know the pain. I know the hopelessness that a lot of people feel at times. Uh, so to be able to relate to that and, and help people who are in similar situations is, is a great thing. Yes. You know, Michael, I, I just want to thank you for sharing your story, and Carol, for you too. I, I hope our listening audience understands the courage it takes to do this. Uh, to share like this. 
and and how it is absolutely imperative that we understand that addiction is not about morality it is about mortality it is yes. the way the brain works imagine this that the drug has taken such control of part of your brain that you can die be revived and yet use again it's uh -huh. it's not uh, it's That's not specific. something that has to do with morality yes. this is the way the brain is and it know, is so important for us to be able to help those people who are in the midst of this. And that's why Carol and Michael are here tonight to talk about Connect to Recovery and how we are doing this through Riverside Community Care. Because it's powerful. So, yeah. It's powerful. And you know, one of my other phrases, and I think Carol and Michael are living up to it, is contribute to society to help oh. with your sobriety. That's right. Contribute to society to help with your sobriety. Carol, what is it like for you when you are working with someone as a coach in recovery? What's that experience like for you? Um, that's a great question. And it's, it's, I mean, I tell all my clients, I explain to them that they're doing more for me than I'm doing for them. They don't understand it because they're new and they'll go on and help other people too in their recovery. It's, they're telling, they're making me remember when, after several years, after, you know, 20 years, you get the trenches, so to speak, you know, and it brings it right back. The hopelessness, helplessness, despair, uh, depression, and a lot of them want to commit suicide. Or just behave in ways that are suicidal, if you will, you know, especially the kids driving and so forth. And when they bring you back there, you, you get sparked up. I mean, it's really my life's mission now. I, I can't imagine doing another job um, ever for me because uh, we started this program before COVID and all of a sudden there there was the COVID and what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to continue this even? And I, Kim, the fearless leader, yourself, Mike, the other people um, that we leaned on each other, um, Kate, Katie Wentworth, uh, Rebecca Tobin, we, we stood fast and said, you know, and we went shoulder to shoulder you know, there's a way. So when the shoulder, but six feet apart, six <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, I should rephrase that. We're from each, right. we're in our, each other's homes. Now we, we right. <laughs> just virtual. <laughs> Good point. Um, and so I don't know. I think just like we said, we're not going to let it fail. And it, and it turned out to be, you know, that our program blossoms in the trenches faster than it would have otherwise. You know, it's kind of like we're all in the same lifeboat in the Titanic, you know? Mm. It's like if we would just switch seats in the Titanic, we're both going down. If we're both in the lifeboat together, you know what I mean? Mm. And so it helps me stay sober and not just sober, but happy, joyous, and free because 
recovery doesn't just promise dryness from these substances. It promises a life second to none, if you will, um, you know, to go on and have families and reach goals and laugh again, you know, where, you know, when I'm working with my clients, they, they say to me, I haven't laughed in, I don't know, hmm. at least, you know, so with good humor and, and good direction, um, good orderly direction, you know, I think it's, you know, it's a um, collaborative effort between me and the recovery, if you will. Yeah, it's, it's so wonderful. And it's, it's inspiring. And I, I hope people can, can understand how important this is, especially right now during COVID. And that's one of the things that, that you know, I, I really want to address, you know, uh, as we go through the show. But I, I just want to come back to one thing that Michael said, and I'm just going to just reframe for a minute, because I've, I've heard a lot um, from folks, look, look what I lost. Look what I lost. And I'd like to suggest that you didn't lose anything. You gave it away. Oh. And you can take it back. Yes. You can take this back. Take oh. back your life. Take back your brain. Take back those relationships. Um, because it is in your power. But mm -hmm. you don't do it alone. No one can do this alone. So let, let's talk a little bit about um, this event that's happening with Connect Recovery. Michael, can you tell us a bit about what's happening next week? So on Wednesday, um, September 30th, at from 12 to 1, we're having a celebration of recovery, basically. Um, it's, it's, it's a virtual event, but we, us at Connect Recovery are, are hosting and putting it on. Having a couple of very good, powerful speakers, um, Matt Ganim, who is a friend of mine, and he is a he is a poet, and he actually has a published book of poetry. Um, he works in the in the treatment community, and he's he's an advocate in, in the treatment community. Um, his poetry is around recovery and and you know the pain involved and actively using and. and all sorts of all sorts of um, things, um, but he will be speaking. He'll be saying a poem, telling a little bit of his story. And we'll also be having George Carroll, who's also known as Slain, and he is a rapper and an actor um, who also is in long-term recovery and and has a, has a great message. Um, we we have an amazing MC for the for the event and, and Ooh, who do you Dr. Have? Dr. Joseph Strand. Oh, thank you. Um, and we'll also be hearing from a, a current Connect Recovery client who will be telling a little bit of, of her story. Um, and my and client Shawnee with a great mm -hmm. story. You'll, you'll love her. Mm -hmm. So so how do people uh, get involved in this? How do they tune in? So the. Again, it's virtual. It's going to be a Zoom event, and the link is on the Riverside Community Care website, as well as the Riverside Facebook page. Um, you do have to, to register for the events. It just takes one minute. It's just going to ask you for your name, um, email address, and, and for your name. You don't have to put your full name. We don't need your last name. Just all the boxes have to be filled. 
Um, so you have to register for the event and, and then join us uh, September 30th. But like I said, the Riverside website and the Facebook page. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll post that also on the Dr. Joe Show Facebook page. And I think WATD uh, has been very kind and they're going to be promoting it and doing some uh, public service announcements about it as well. But for our listening audience, I really hope you can be part of this and participate because the more just interject one second oh, go ahead Carol. go on i've um and also if they put their initials in they don't have to turn their camera on or anything but along with the show there'll be a running list of names of people um who have lost someone to opioid use or addiction and they can they're going to write their names in the chat box we'll have a moment of silence for them mm -hmm. and so it's also to honor the the people that didn't make it yeah you know, uh, I'm so glad that, that you remind us of that, Carol, because when we do drug story theater um, and we are in an audience of, you know, six, seven, eight hundred, six to seventh graders or wow. high school kids, we'll, we'll ask them at some point, how many people have lost someone or know of someone who has lost someone uh, to the opioid crisis? And wow even if one hand goes up but there's never just one so many hands go up it is chilling it is chilling and then we also have a moment of silence really and imagine an auditorium full of sixth grade students oh. who can be quiet and they stay silent and then i say and i'm going to say this on wednesday that is the silence that these families experience. The silence of a voice they will never hear again. Yeah. And this is why we are here to prevent that next opioid crisis, to prevent that next overdose. And we cannot do it alone. We are all in this together. Addiction is not about morality, it's about mortality. But we as human beings, can remind each other of our value, remind each other that we have value. And, and that, that is so important because it then stimulates in your brain another part, the, the oxytocin response, not the oxycontin response, oxytocin, that neurohormone of trust, that feeling you get when somebody says you're amazing. And how many people give that away when they're using drugs and alcohol? And that's one of the things that we teach. You can get high, but based on the brain science, the price you pay is trust. And you just have to decide which pleasure is more important to you, being trusted or not. And that's why when people are in recovery, contribute to society to help with your sobriety, help other people, and that increases your value so much, you just feel better. It's a better high. Than drugs or alcohol. It, it really is. So, how do people actually sign up for it? They go to the website, the, the Connect to Recovery portion, or through Riverside Community Care, and then the event. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's it's on the Riverside Community Care Facebook page, and then if you go to the Riverside Community Care um, website, there's there is a connect recovery section. And if you click on there, it, it's got the event posted there. And, and, and people really come and sign up, show your support. Um, 
you know that you know somebody who needs this. You know that you need somebody that you can support. You know that there are people in the community. So by coming to Riverside Community Care, by coming to Connect to Recovery, you are becoming part of this really important movement. This important movement where we remove the stigma. We remove the stigma because people don't come into treatment because they are afraid they will be judged as less than and broken. This is what the I am is all about. No one's broken. No one's doing any less than their best. But if you don't like it, you can change it. And that's what it's about. It's not about treatment. Treatment implies there's something broken. But if you don't like something, you can change, you adapt, you evolve. That's part of who we are as human beings. And it is a powerful thing. And I am personally so honored to be part of Riverside Community Care because the mission is all about that. It's all about reminding someone of their value. That's what we all want. We just want to be valuable. So is that part of your experience as well? Do you guys? get that sense that you are valued while you're doing this work? Oh my God, amazingly valued, amazingly valued. And and your self-esteem also goes up. I have people, because you get, you gain self-esteem by doing esteemable things, right? So anybody I work with, I've had several clients who want to get into the field. Say, Carol, I've been sober for a while, this is great. I mean, and like you were talking about, talk about a movement, such a huge movement against people with the drugs, you know, taking their lives, all the kids. When you walk over so many bodies after years, can we help this at all? But I think like what you were talking about, everyone together, you know, can accomplish this fearlessness attitude that yes, it can be done, you know, together. Um, and when you talked, I mean, just to, to go back for one second, when you said to me, all of those children silent as the grave, um, and thinking about when, you know, when you're that age, you're sad, your dog died, usually, mm-hmm. that you've lost many, many friends to opiates, you know? And so it's just, you know, it's just amazing that these kids have to even know about this. But I think that the more of them that are educated about it um, and tell their friends about it and um, they can support each other. Yes. I go there, you know? That's right. And, and we talk about that with Drugs Free Theater. You know, there's peer pressure. Peer pressure doesn't have to be negative. Nice. You can have positive peer pressure. You know, we know that one of the great risk factors for first time substance use is low self-esteem. But at every and any moment in time, you can remind someone of their value. And whenever you remind someone of their value, you increase your own value. So with Drug Street Theater, we'll have these six, seven, eight hundred kids in the auditorium and during the talk back after the show, I'll say, okay, so let's just try this. Who's ever sitting closest to you, just say something nice about them. And within seconds, the room explodes in laughter and smiling and people saying these things. And and it's just so wonderful and powerful. And then we calm everybody down and we say, is there anyone in this room that's not smiling right now? 
Right. Everyone's smiling. You say, that's how easy it is to remind someone of their value. And when you're doing that, you're increasing oxytocin in their brains, and you are actually helping to protect them against that first-time substance use, which puts them at risk for a lifelong addiction. Dr. Joe, one of the things we talked about last week after talking about uh, so much substance abuse is is while we're here in COVID and we know that this is happening quietly around the world, that people are struggling and and starting to use or, or using more than they have in the past, what kind of strategies should they be trying to implement so that they can minimize, limit, and uh, eliminate their their substance abuse? Michael, you, you got some thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think that one of the um, unstated but but real effects that COVID's having on, on people all over is not only affecting their mental health, but when it comes to substance use. And, you know, the amount of people I, I know, either former clients or friends or, or people I know have relapsed during this time, it's, it's staggering. Um, you know, and a lot of that is due to I mean, the three three big triggers for me when I was when I was active was boredom, you know, a lack of structure and, and a lack of sense of purpose, and it's like those three things are kind of built in with COVID. Um, you know, with the lack of in-person AA meetings or NA meetings or any type of recovery meetings, um, with gyms closing down. You know, a lot of people go to the gym as an outlet. People in recovery, people losing their jobs. You know that structure is is out the window, um, and it was sudden. You know, and and a lot of people, you know, they talk about getting their medicine by going to AA meetings. That's how people were staying sober, or by going to the gym and and connecting with others. Um, so there are a lot of virtual meetings out there, whether it be AA, NA. Um, smart recovery refuge recovery meetings their recovery centers is one that we work with in walpole that has meetings uh throughout the day that are not 12-step based but they have women's meetings and young people's meetings and dual recovery anonymous meetings um that people can do via via zoom that people can do virtually uh, you know Another thing for, that I stress is trying to maintain some sense of structure during the day. Um, you know, whether that be actually writing out a calendar and scheduling your days, but just just something to keep yourself busy. Because if not, it, it's really easy to get bored and it's really easy to isolate. Um, mm-hmm. So if I have two, is it, staying connected. It, it's really easy, like I said, to isolate times like this. Um, you know, we're, we're supposed to be staying away from people anyways. So it, it, mm-hmm. isolating and, you know, it just can, can lead, lead to dark places. So staying connected, talking to somebody in recovery on a daily basis, um, doing the virtual meetings, um, you know, also just, just getting exercise, getting out during the day, whether it be out for a walk or, or, you know, developing your own exercise routine, um, also things like picking up a new hobby 
um, whether it be learning a new language or or something maybe that you used to enjoy but you haven't done in a while you know when we're active we get away from a lot of things that we used to enjoy you know whether it's arts and crafts or reading you, you know a hobby that you used to enjoy that you've gotten away from um and you know it's also a time where you can really work on your spirituality um, whether it's reading spiritual literature whether it's prayer um meditation practicing meditation so th th there are many ways the the thing i stress to people is to stay connected you know for us it's i'll speak for myself for me anytime i was alone and i was isolated and i was stuck in my head which which can be a scary place to be for us people who suffer from substance use disorder um, you know, not reaching out to other people and not talking to other people is often leads to relapse. So staying connected in some way, whether it be over the phone, whether it be virtually, but, but making sure you're talking to other people, especially other people in recovery. And not only, like we had talked about, not only is it going to help you, but it's going to help the, whoever you're talking to. You know, that connection is, is extremely important. Why why is that connection so important, do you think? I just, well, like you talked about, that sense of value. You feel that value from other people. You know, if you're feeling included um, and you feel a part of, that's a lot more, you know, encouraging than, than feeling like you're on your own. You know, like we talked about, you can't, recover by yourself um you know you it's going to take as much support a, as possible so when you're connecting with others you know if you have things that you're trying to deal with alone and, and you feel like you're stuck by yourself talk you know talk about it if, if you have cravings talk about it and not only gonna be helping yourself but somebody else you're talking to maybe going through that very same thing you know and maybe they're not to somebody so <laughs> talking i talk to at least well besides the work i do i talk to at least you know three four people in, in my recovery circle a day it, it's it's really important for me it really is how yeah. would you what do you want to add to that anything i um like to add something it's michael's exactly right it is the killer isolation um and you know, in the olden days, I don't want to say, but, um, you know, people had to pick up the phone to talk to one another. And it almost like it helps to, it helps me to reduce social media, you know, mm. social media, but not all day long. You know, it's, it's not, it, it's not real connection. And I found that my clients that pick up the phone and talk, each other they get much more out of it than just you know little texts here and there and all this um so reduction of social media uh it, it helps so much pick up the phone and, and and go on zoom and see someone's face their eyes it's human you know to see their faces this is how i feel you know i'm not an emoji you know i'm crying mm you know i'm really sad i'm really angry yeah I want to use drugs and alcohol so i don't have to feel these feelings 
And exactly. How many times have we used a drug or alcohol to avoid a feeling? Right? Feeling angry, anxious, or sad. But folks, just so you understand what happens in your brain, whenever you do that, you begin convincing yourself that you're not strong enough to deal with those feelings. And if you don't think you're strong enough for dealing with those feelings, what do you think happens to those feelings? They get worse or they go away? Uh They get worse. But then your brain says, what are you waiting for? Exactly. And and a feeling shared is a feeling halved, as we call it. Um, You know, share your problems, it's cut in half. That's right. Your recovery coach, your your recovery coach navigator, everything, possibilities open up. That's why we're here. You know, what's the possibilities? You've narrowed yourself into thinking, oh my God, possibilities are drinking or dying or using. It's not. When someone else comes into it, in picture, wait a minute, what's going on? Why don't we try A, B, C, D? It opens up their worlds. Um, And that's what we do. That's what you do. So we've spoken about some small changes that can have big effects. We each have 30 seconds each to tell me. You control no one, you influence everyone. Mm-hmm. What kind of influence do you want to be? Carol, we'll start with you and then we'll go to you, Michael, and we'll end it up. What kind of influence do you want to be, Carol? I want to be an influence of change where stigma, I don't even have to say stigma. It could just roll off our tongue like, oh, we need help with this, um, with this person. They're asking for help because they need help um, recovering from drugs or alcohol or they're you know, they're having addiction issues. Why? What's the underlying causes? Excellent. You know? Michael, what kind of influence do you want to be? Uh, I want to be able to show that recovery is possible. I, I'm not going to stay anonymous with this. You know, I am a person in long-term recovery. I, I suffer from this disease. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Um, That's true. It, it, it is a disease, and there should be no shame or guilt involved. No shame. No. Both. I appreciate so much. People, connect to recovery. We've got a great event next Wednesday. Please join us, and we will be back next week on the Dr. Joe Show. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Vincent Van Gogh.